All I'm saying is this. DC Comics are obviously sabotaging our podcast. <laughs> okay? Okay? I mean, really. I can't get my headset to work. Your computer crashes when you try and call me. Oh, Something's yeah. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got a blue screen error while trying to call wow. you. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. That, see, that fits my DC theory. Like, you've got Scott Lobdell and, and Brett Booth and Rob Liefeld back in books. Right. It's, it's the 1990s thing. They're like the blue screen. That's the retro thing that the kids are really into these days. You're Give Jeff right. Lester a blue screen. <laughs> That'll teach him. Also, I think we're going to block his access to Usenet. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yes. Why not? <laughs> hey, hello. Hello. Ah, my goodness. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I, I'm I'm quite good, despite all the uh, computer shenanigans. Uh, and quite pleasant to talk to you again, of course. Yes, after... although, yeah, after uh, the in-person Wait Watch that happened last week that no one saw. <laughs> <laughs> you really are a terrible tease. I, it is so true. It's hilarious. Um, but yes, no, we... Uh, we had a great time uh, not having to actually Skype into a little headset uh, in order to uh, talk. And we Although, were able to be fair, we didn't have to, but we did. <laughs> so true. <laughs> we, was... we put on headsets and then plugged them into waffles to talk. <laughs> so if only we'd done that as our photo, that would have been the best. I st- have you? Seen- I haven't got the photo. Do you have the photo? I do have the photo. I wasn't. I will send that to you. Actually. Oh, I know. I think. I think you should just put it up and sound really quick. Well, that's photos. what I sort of figured. But I. But I, I think you should also see it as well. Here, let me see if I can hang it up. I will. I will. See do, it do you know that as you as you try and send this to me, like our computers will crash, right? Oh, t- totally, <laughs> totally. I'm sure that I will suddenly. I will suddenly have an email program installed on my desktop just so that it can crash fatally uh let's see here <laughs> so uh yeah so that's uh, some mighty um i sure picked the the wrong week to quit smoking uh as they say yes so many people said that to us so many people <laughs> were upset that we we decided that that was the week that we weren't going to podcast in in our defense yeah. It's not like we knew this was going to happen. We we totally didn't. Although, honestly, listeners, I think Graham did, but I, I had no idea. I, 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 I totally, totally did not. And I will say this. Secrets behind the way the comics industry works, listeners. Um, a comics journalism professional who did know that the news was coming did not expect the news to come then or for that to be the news. So I don't think anyone outside of DC thought that that was going to happen. Wow. Wow, that's uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty amazing. Um, they they certainly did pull off the the news coup, which but, I, you know what's kind of stunning mm-hmm. after the fact, and I don't know whether this is true or lots of people trying to save face. Mm-hmm. So many people seem to know so much about it, and it just seems to be like they didn't run with it because they didn't run with it. Right? Do you know what I mean? So many people seem to know the. The creative teams, or, or at least who was pitching for the books. Sure, sure. Ahead of time. Yeah. And no one said anything. I mean, even Rich Johnson pretty much was only like, I'm hearing rumors that they might do something. Right. 
And it's you know, really weird. I, I, but I think that's kind of good. And who knows? Maybe I, I, I think DC did it really well. Yeah, I think they did. And you know, I don't know how these things were done in the past, but I remember. Um, you know, maybe it was about eighteen months ago to two years ago. Uh, I was trying to nab a, uh, a freelance writing gig for this video game project that was being put together. Mm-hmm. And um, they they needed somebody to essentially write sort of the anime style interstitials or webisodes or whatever. And I had to sign an NDA on that just to, yeah, just, just to, to pitch. pitch. Yeah, yeah, essentially. It was kind of like, well, I didn't get the gig. And I'm like, okay, and I can't tell anybody about it for the next 24 months or so, you know? So, and I mean, and it wasn't even like that was something big. This was something that a bunch of guys had cobbled together that was going to be like the next Pokemon and they were all you know, they had very savvy Wait, what, was capitalists. it? Was it Angry Birds? Yes, it was Angry Birds. It did you no, did, no. did you see that um, Angry Birds is going to spin off, and I wrote this up for Techland and I don't think it's going up yet, um, they're going to spin off a cookbook and <laughs> to make things even better, it's going to be a cookbook about eggs. What? Not I know, because I don't like the opposite of what you want to do for Angry Birds. Angry Birds exactly. you're trying to save the eggs. And so I was like, now you can eat my children. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Angry Birds cookbook of cannibalism. I mean, nobody I wants that. Well, lots of people probably do. That's the well, thing. I was thinking like, well, it's kind of brilliant because, you know, this whole uh, the hipster trend for loving the bacon. You know, it's like you've got nine well, million who, pork recipes these who days. Who doesn't love the bacon? Exactly. Even vegetarians love bacon. So you know, I I kind of thought, oh, well, that's kind of brilliant. You get all your newfangled pork recipes out of the way. You you name them after levels, and uh, you know you're set. But no, apparently it's got to be eggs. Eggs. I know. It's just there's just something hideously hideously wrong wow. with that. I know. But there you go. <laughs> Um, we have lots and lots of questions, Jeff. We do. Because people, I, I stupidly asked questions yesterday, and then again today, <laughs> thinking, first of all, that maybe we'd get a couple. Uh, and also, secondly, thinking, the, the reason I asked questions, or asked four questions, I should say, is um, I didn't know about how much we'd actually have to talk about. Because, first of all, we talked about a lot of this stuff last week. I know. Off podcast. Yes. Uh, and secondly... I am now on, like, maybe wave four of my reactions to the DC. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, gone from, that's massive to, I'm kind of bored to, what the fuck? To, you know what I mean? I like, like, today's um, Teen Titans mm-hmm. solicit. I, I think that's a whole new thing for me. I, th- I think I, I've crossed the Rubicon into... Oh, yeah? Tell me about it, because I thought I saw it, but it didn't You haven't in. seen it? Well, oh, no, I'm... Scott Lobdell and, oh, yeah. and Brett Booth are doing Teen Titans. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did see the art. The art has to be seen to be believed. I mean, it's just... It's honestly, like if you said, here's a great idea. Why don't we, like, do a parody title of 1990s Steam Comics? <laughs> Uh, it, I mean, that's the cover. The cover includes Tim Drake is now called Red, Red Robin as he was before, but now he actually has like wings like the Falcon. Mm. Okay? Mm. Um, Superboy is now wearing a vest top with, I shit you not, a sellotaped Superman logo on his back. Oh shit, I gotta look at this. this and, and a Superman tattoo on his arm. Um, wow. Kid Flash, I mean, 
fuck knows what's going on with Kid Flash. There seems to be like some insect woman who looks not unlike Witchblade. Um, and Wonder Girl has been recast as, and I quote from the solicitation, mysterious and belligerent powerhouse thief. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember the thief. Yeah. The solicit says this. Tim Drake is forced to step out from behind his keyboard when an international organization seeks to capture or kill superpowered teenagers. As Red Robin, he must team up with the mysterious and belligerent powerhouse thief known as Wonder Girl and the hyperactive speedster calling himself Kid Flash into Teen Titans number one. Here's the thing. Tim Drake is forced to step out from behind his keyboard. Really? Seriously? Seriously? I mean, it's, it's honestly like, they're like, hey, what do the kids do? They, they go on the internet. Okay, then. He, he's he's going to have to step outside of the keyboard because there's more to life than the internet. Do you think the kids will get that? I mean, what do you think? Do you think that's what the kids are into? It's horrible. It's honestly like, I mean, we, we said this last week when we were when we were just chatting offline, but... um. You've got a 47-year-old redesigning the DC Universe for a young audience. This is like a 47-year-old's idea of what teenagers are like. It's so fucking horrible. And it's so off the beam in terms of, let's get some new readers. Sure. How will we capture the kids? I've got this great idea for the one book that's supposed to appeal to the kids. It's like a horrible 1990s version of Bob Haney. It's not even like a 2011 version of Bob Haney. It's 1990s Bob Haney. It's horrible. Well, first off, I would like to say that teenagers are into wings these days. Like, uh, the only reason most of them spend so much time on the keyboard... On the ground? Yeah, is because, frankly, their wings are molting. So, you know, well, I think you know, it, you know what it probably is? They're probably spending all the time on the keyboard trying to buy the wings. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 in eBay auctions. Just like, oh, god damn yeah, yeah, eBay, and they pay with PayPal. <laughs> Everyone knows, Jeff, that if it was really today's teens, first of all, they'd be doing it on their iPad. Secondly, they'd be going to Etsy, and they would be individually created wings. They wouldn't be mass-produced wings. Oh, see, you're so cutting edge. I, you're totally I, right. I, I, I am going to pitch a new book called the Etsy Titans. Dude, you sh- totally should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would. And what it what it is is it's like they they all make crafts, mm-hmm. and like Red Robin and Superboy and Wonder Girl are all their Etsy names. And then one day, someone orders lots of things, and they they never get paid, and they get so pissed off, they team up to bring him to justice. Okay, you know. At the end of the first issue, is all of them like it's a full page with like maybe five different panels with all of them. They're all looking at their computer, and they're all saying justice. Just like, <laughs> dude, I would read this book. I will read this book in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. I'm just hurt because, of course, I'm like, oh, I still use PayPal. Oh. <laughs> I was on eBay just yesterday. Oh. I, I feel that a lot of people probably still use PayPal, but, you know. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like the one book that's like, remember all your jokes that this was just like the 1990s and Bob Harris is running DC? Look, we've decided to make it real. Sorry, it's not the one book. They've also got Rob Liefeld's doing Hawk and Dog. Oh, Jesus Christ, I know. I saw that, and that was just like one of those great, like... <laughs> the best I mean, part was, I saw the cover first, and I was like, oh, Jesus, they've got Rob Liefeld to do the cover, and then I read the, the solicit, and it's like, wow, he's drawing the book. He's doing the insides. I just love that each uh, progressive round of announcements is just has this air of like letting you in subtly on the fact that they're only given this six months. You know what I mean? Like, 
like they're all but despite what they're saying they're like no this isn't you know this is not a reboot this is a relaunch we're starting from the scratch again over which is why Uh, we have rob liefeld drawing a monthly i was having this i was having this conversation with um ryan higgins on twitter this morning because he's convinced that this is a 12-month deal right and it, then it's basically going to settle into Ultimate DC and then going to restart the other line. I think that I think that's impossible. I don't think they can do that. I think with all the hype surrounding this, any kind of attempts to restart the the existing line that they have now right. will be seen as a failure, and not just a failure, but like the end of DC. Right, they, right, right. they rolled the dice and they lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. I. I I totally agree, but once you see something like Rob Liefeld doing like a monthly book, like Rob no, but Liefeld, did, but did you did you see the thing yesterday with the um, all creative teams have to have three issues finished by August thirty first, or yes. they get replaced? Yeah, that's fucking stunning when you consider Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee. But I quite suspect Jim Lee's been doing this for like two years, right. um, and David Finch. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What? I, I completely applaud them for being like, these books are going to be on time. But at the same time, they're on, like, sending that letter out must just be like, oh, by the way, we know some of you are going to be fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or or even, like, when somebody, like, flips the fuck out, you know, I'm sure the editor is like, look, 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 we're, they're totally serious. This is just what I was told. They're super, super. This is, like, absolutely, it's vital that we have this done. But it doesn't apply to you. Don't worry about it. Like you, you know, I'll be you fascinated can. to see mm-hmm. what what if all these artists all of a sudden start producing on time. Oh yeah, wouldn't right. that be kind of amazing? Like, what if really somehow, right? They all do it, right? They, they might. I mean, because well, I mean, David Finch used to be able to hit a deadline. Oh sure, sure, sure. sure Jim sure. Lee used to be able to hit a deadline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally. I felt not so much, but. Well, yeah, Liefeld was always a mess, but, you know, I mean, and a lot of those guys, once they sort of developed their own studios, I think it kind of got harder for them. I'm thinking yeah. especially Lee and Liefeld, you know, it was just like, <laughs> oh, sure, we can do this. And by this, we mean, you know, we had a steady stream of 19-year-olds that were trying to work really hard to impress us, you know, that that wouldn't, didn't sure, mind. We can ape our style in a... Yeah. An exactly. almost convincing manner, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, interestingly enough, as as you know, Graham, you and I went to the comic book store last week to the to uh, Excalibur right near you, which is an awesome store, and uh, they have very affordable, uh, affordably priced back issues. So I picked up a couple of issues of Green Lantern Mosaic from 1992. And the first run of John Rosam's Zombie from 1994, and I've been I've been reading them this week with an idea toward like oh I'll do some capsule reviews. Lord knows I'm terrible at making it to the store on time, and I'm still trying to you know make sure that I hit the weekly deadlines. And I have to say those books are drawn horribly, like horribly. I really maybe I will get into like they'll hit a rhythm. I mean I know. Cully Hamner was like super, super young when he was. Yeah, I think that was like Cully Hamner's first book. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And also, I mean, I can't. I remember you bought like a fair amount of them, but you'll see like a massive jump in his art from like issue one to issue five, even. I, I can totally believe it. But as it is, I, I mean, I've sort of read the first issue and then 
finished issue two or three or whatever, and I was just like, wow, this is... And Zombie, like, the guy they have doing Zombie, who I don't The, the guy they had doing Zombie was J.J. Birch, who was also... Who was uh, J. Joe Brzezowski, I think? Uh. Who had been doing Firestorm for, like, five, six years before that. And then he pretty much decided... I'm going to stop drawing in the conventional superhero style. I'm going to start drawing in this crazy, whacked-out, scratchy style. Well, crazy, whacked-out, scratchy is I'm okay. Because, I mean, it sort of makes sense to me that Dennis Cohen was kind of the like art director, certainly the inspiration for a lot of the Milestone books. But there's a point halfway through issue one where something fucking happened. And, I mean, they look like fucking storyboards in color. Like, oh, everything oh, and, but oh, and they'll, they'll stay like that for their end of the book. Like, that's what his art looks like. Jay. Unbelievable. I was like, this is like a stick drawing of a dude walking into a box with the word bank scribbled on top of it. I, I kind of can't believe that I'm looking at it. Like, seriously, seeing that to seeing Fraser Irving, like, it's such a seismic upgrade. Wait, you, you have to wonder if Joan Rosen was like, wow, really? They're giving me him? Right. Well, exactly. Because, I mean, I'm sure he was used to, like, uh, I don't know. I feel a lot more comfortable with the guy who, like, used to draw on, uh, you know, napkins in cafes with crayons. I, you know, it really was, like, crude shit in a way that I looked at this stuff and I'm like, I can't can't believe that this, both books were, like, this is at the level of quality that I, I remember from the black and white explosion days of like 87 and 88 you know where just anyone who could draw was was you know publishing their own book of course oh but i mean that that was the 90s the 90s came up with all manner of people who just god bless them did not really have the talent well that's it i mean i'm fascinated by the level of they didn't have the talent or they just they just weren't ready yet that classic like, well, there, there, yeah there's a lot ready. of that as well i mean you can look at a lot of a lot of artists mm-hmm. from that period who then i mean kelly hamner is a great example right i think i think really by about like pretty much yeah from like issue five onwards i think kelly's art on mosaic is is decent but like compare it with what he's doing now, and there's just like a massive jump. I mean, yeah, bear in mind, yeah. that's pretty much twenty years as well. But right. um, absolutely. But you can see like that he wasn't ready in a way that you know he he hadn't found his style even because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he has oh. a, he has a style at the start of the book that definitely doesn't really belong to anyone else, but it's such a mishmash. Right. But then I mean, you can even jump like ten years ahead, and it's like, oh yeah, that's Collie Hammer stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, all of which is to say, like, A, it was super edifying to me from the point of when people complain about the level of craft uh, in the books these days, I definitely think that it's sort of harder for me in some ways to complain about the, I think the art quality has taken some huge strides forward. You know, maybe it's because they're not pushing everyone. Um, It does make me wonder, though, like, they will hack out that you know if people have to get three issues done by August thirty first, they will. It they will not look good though, and that is I I I think that that can be a huge factor, especially. Oh, okay, today. but here, here's the thing: hacking issues uh, like three issues out by August thirty first. Bear in mind that is three months from now, mm-hmm. and they're twenty pages each. They're asking people to do sixty pages in three months. Right. I don't think that's impossible. 
Yeah. I mean, even for a David Finch. Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, on the one hand, based on the way things used to be, I totally agree. And in fact, based on the, like, the way that the industry, like, all the various shortcuts that artists have available to them now, I totally agree. In fact, I think, you know, sometimes uh, artists have been kind of, mm, what's the word? Like, that they almost have, like, too much freedom, sort of. Like, they kind of can sort of end up having enough time to choke because they second-guess themselves. And maybe oh, yeah. Yeah. Having, having a bunch of time where you just can't second-guess yourself and you just lay the stuff down. And in theory, a lot of these dudes are guys who have been around a while and know what they're doing. You know, like, um, you know, Scott McDaniel, he's, uh, that guy is going to have no trouble hitting it, especially if he's co-writing Static Shock. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know so much about uh, Brett Booth, but Norm. Rapp- no, Br- Brett, Brett Booth will be fine. He's been doing monthly yeah. Justice League for like last six months. Right. So I, I just I think that I think that I think that I think they're going to hit it. I just I also think that it's a just the the like, hey, yeah, get that shit in now kind of makes me wonder, like, really, what? When did they shift these gears? You know what I mean? Like, how long has this been going on? Well, how badly did they fumble the... Well, what's what's fascinating is when Heidi broke the news about the you have to have three issues done by August 31st, she also said some of these people have only just received the script for issue one. Exactly. Which is like, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm completely like, on the one hand, I think that the idea of the DC, the new DCU shipping like clockwork is a great idea. On the other hand, I don't think that, that, um, I just think that there's a mistake to be made by going, Oh yeah. So you guys just have to, you know, the the classic work smarter, not harder kind of angle, you know? Yeah. It's like, Ooh. Um, okay. So, and the other thing that I find interesting after about day four or five of the announcements, especially because of the number of books that kind of make me go, huh, really? Is not just kind of the, the Bob Harrisification of the DCU coming out in super full effect, but also this idea that I think that, um, DC is, as far as I can tell, some of the books that they're leading with, I don't see any reason why they're leading for them unless there is interest being expressed outside the comics medium for those properties. You know, what are you thinking about in, in particular? Resurrection Man, Hawk and Dove. Uh, there was there was actually a variety of stuff from the dark stuff. Oh, I, I see. Like, I I think in that case, it's not necessarily that there is. Um, interest being expressed as much as they would like. They're basically enough of a completely basic high concept mm-hmm. to be able to at a later date sell it to someone. Yes, Hawk exactly. and Dove, incredibly easy to sell. Resurrection Man, if you don't get that from his name alone, right. exactly. you, know, you yeah. might as well go home. Exactly. Um, but what I, I found really interesting about the mix of books is it's really odd seeing the choices. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's so many of them, first of all, look so like the post-crisis lineup. I mean, Fury of Firestorm and Captain Atom. Mm-hmm. I remember that first day, I was like, wow, it really is 1987 all over again. 
but they're like cherry picking, mm-hmm. you know, eras almost. I mean, the, the DCU yeah. dark stuff was like, oh, I remember Vertigo before it was Vertigo. Yes, exactly. Here's Peter Milligan writing Shane the Changing Man, which don't get me wrong, I'll buy. But yes. at the same time, it's it's almost like a greatest hit. It's Rob Liefeld back on Hawkins Hop. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No. And, and it, again, it sort of annoys me because that's playing to the existing audience. It's not playing to a new audience. Do you know what I mean? If you're if you're really actually trying to get new readers then you could make smarter choices than they have made in some cases. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, oh, I, come I, on, really? You think honestly think that Scott Lovedale and Brett Booth are the right audience for Teen Titans? Oh, sorry, sorry, right, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm or, sorry. Or Rob Liefeld is the right artist for, let's be honest, any monthly book these days? Sorry, sorry. I jumped back to thinking about the topics, not the people assigned to them. Uh, oh, sorry. no, I'm talking about the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, in terms right, of right, books, right. I think, the, I think it's, there's a smart choice of books, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the books are smart. I just don't think – I think that the um, the dude – everyone that I've seen announced with maybe the exception of Liefeld, uh, particularly when you look at the number of titles that, that Fabian Nicizia is getting or uh, Scott Lubdell's getting, you know, those were those – were, those were the Bob Harris workhorses. Yeah, exactly. 90s, exactly. You know? He's he's really gone back to his tried and tested. Yeah, he creative. is. He's like these are the guys that I know are going to be a, that can deliver, that can turn on a dime, and that I know how to talk to. You know, and so to me, I think it's a it's a the, those creative teams are huge signaling of, um, look, we're turning out product. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, none of that. We're going to turn out a product on time, no matter what. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, you will be able to. You'll know that every four weeks there will be a Teen Titans book out. Yeah. It might not be something you want to read, but it will be on the shelves. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, and that these are the guys that are able to like. You know, all of those guys are are well, all but you know again. They're very much like, oh, okay, we're doing a big line-wide event. We're used to swimming in the line-wide event. You know what I mean? So I wish I, I'm trying to look for the uh, the scorecard so that we can sort of look at the sort of titles. I was honestly just going to read down from um, the DCU blog. Oh, okay. That, that's totally fine, too. Okay, so let's say we've got Legion Lost right. by Fabian and Nichisa and Pete Woods. Right. Which I'll be picking up. I'm a Legion fanboy, and I really like Pete Woods' art. So Pete Woods is great. Yeah, Pete Woods is really, really good and completely underrated. He is, and you know what? I will say that I think that Fabian Nicizia is actually underrated too. As far as I, mean, I, I think he can be, but I also think he can hack things out. I think because I always tend to put him and Scott Lobdell together because they pretty much ran the X franchise for so long. Yes, I, I think Fabian's a much better writer than Lobdell is. I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. I think he's a he's a little more flexible, and certainly back when he was doing Cable and Deadpool, I came to this uncomfortable realization of like, huh, you know, this guy is not great, but he oh, he's solid. He's completely he's, solid. He's always solid, and usually he he manages to make me more interested in a book as time goes on, not less. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Legion of Superheroes by Paul Levinson, Francis Portella. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which again I'll get as we said I'm interested that Portel has taken over art because he's pretty much been the fill-in artist on Legion for this current series right. um, 
and also being the artist who, for my money, has been much better than the regular artist. Right. So I'm really happy to see him taking over. Team Titans always loved Alan Brebeth. Right. Which is just... Oh, uh, I honestly almost had a blog newsroom post today that was just called No. Yes. <laughs> <that> image. Uh, <laughs> Static Shock by John Rosen and Scott McDaniel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I might pick up. I really like Rosen as a writer. Yes. And Scott McDaniel, although I think his work is always kind of super blocky, like his stuff on <laughs> Green Arrow or whatever. It, exactly. There's also times that even though it's blocky, I think his sense of storytelling is tremendously solid and usually ends up working for me. So I, I also like that it's not necessarily what you'd see in other books. There are times where he can get really... It's, this is a weird analogy and maybe you'll see it or not. He's kind of like Chris Bacow. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can. I can. It's. It's. I, th- I think if you got a better French. inker and a better mm-hmm. colorist, mm-hmm. it would serve his work better. Because he also, for I might be completely wrong, but it strikes me he always gets colored really brightly, and he always gets inked really brittly. And I'd yeah. like to see that change slightly. You know, it, it's interesting. Provided that I'm thinking of of McDaniel like <laughs> properly, and my old man brain isn't just leading me astray. McDaniel always strikes me as a dude where, to me, his big influence always seems like it's the Frank Miller, Klaus Jansen years, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, and I remember when he did, um, oh God, Daredevil. Mm-hmm. That was it was incredibly obvious. Yeah, but but even when you put him on Green Arrow, lots and lots of very like narrow panels, like not just the standard horizontal ones, but a lot of narrow vertical panels and a lot of blocky oh, characters. He, he does a lot of interesting stuff with uh, Leia. When, mm-hmm. his, when he did his Batman and Robin run with Paul Cornell recently, there was a lot of interesting stuff with Leia. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think Static has the potential to be like a breakout book that no one sees coming. Yeah, yeah. And, as long as like he doesn't fuck it up. But I, I, it, it's right. definitely one of the more interesting suggestions. Yeah, yeah. It could definitely uh, go either way. Hog and Dove by Sterling Gates and Rob Liefeld. Right. Uh, I, I uh, apparently that's all we have to say about that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I honestly, it's all. Oh, and James gone. There you are. Oh, Hawk oh. and Dove. Yes, Hawk and Dove. You just fear. Did I? Great. Skype is going to start messing with us now. Obviously, Skype is a big uh, Rob Liefeld fan. Who, who, who isn't? As we said, I'm kind of pissed about Rob Liefeld because Hawk and Dove, I like them as characters. Sterling Gates, I like him as a writer. Mm-hmm. Rob Liefeld is a massive drawback to me. I find it's, myself so conflicted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I. it's barely a conflict for me. I'm just sort of like, he, I've just seen him mess up enough books. Just, I'm just, I, I don't, I can't see any way that I will be on board with this, despite loving those characters and, uh, and uh, digging Sterling Gates, you know? I think, I think he's got a lot going for him. Swamp Thing number one by Scott Snyder and Yannick Paquette. Right. Um... Interesting. You know, I don't... I, I'm I'm going to get it. Are you? See, I yeah, I am. I you know, I'm definitely behind on uh, the curve on Scott Snyder. So it's like I need to pick up the detective stuff and his American Vampire stuff, which I've heard tremendous things about. But Yannick Paquette, I don't feel much about one way or the other, other than some. I sort of perhaps unfairly blame him for Batman Incorporated going off schedule. Mm-hmm. Quasi blame him. I mean, God knows Morrison 
there's Morrison, I, Morrison can screw up schedules all on his own. Thanks very I, much. Exactly. I've never, <laughs> I mean, it's very hard to think of a book that Morrison hasn't had go off underneath him. So you know, it's it's hard it's hard not to imagine that he's not responsible at least partially. If Paquette can basically channel his inner Kevin Nolan, who is a massive influence on him, I think it could be a great looking book. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm. I have to say, generally though, I'm just not down. So, Justice League Dark by Peter Milligan and Mikkel Yannin. I think it's a terrible name, and I think it's going to be a great book. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to to reading it. I kind of hope that Milligan's got can keep all of his wheels on his wagon. You know, this well, did, did you read Secret Seven? Uh, no, I didn't. Secret Seven is such an odd book. It took me like three reads to basically read, if that makes sense. Like I went through it three times and now it's like, oh, now I get it. And I really like it. <laughs> Pretty much because he's writing Vertigo Shade in Steve Ditko continuity. Ah. So you, you'll have him like question his own reality. Right. But meanwhile, like he's on meta with surrounded by Steve, Steve Ditko designs. Right, and they're right. like, we've got to get your M vest off. Like I can't, I should say this. You can't hurt him. He's a changing man, and it, there's just this weird because you can tell he's not taken seriously, but at the same time he's taken it uber seriously. That it just really worked for me. If he can make that work for John Constantine, Dead Man, Madame Xanadu, and Satana, yeah. Oh God, so on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm looking forward to trying it out. It's one of those oh God, please, please don't screw this up kind of things. Uh, I think I, it could be great. Yeah, Animal Man by Jeff Lemire and Travel Foreman. Right. I, I, that This is one of those titles where I'm like, this is one where they're totally sure they can sell this as like an ABC family sh- series five years down the road. I, yeah. I actually do like the idea. Hmm. I do like the hook for it. Uh, what, what is the hook again? The hook is essentially Maxine starts showing that she has the same powers. Ah, uh, that's a hook? Really? Okay. I, I, I think that's a hook because we've seen enough of Buddy being family man. We've had all the various like, he's dead. He's not dead. He's questioning reality. He's not questioning reality. His powers have got him saying, no, I like the idea that he's going to be the fairly stable one and his family are just going to start being a fucking mess. Yeah. And not, not a fucking mess in the, his wife is cheating on him. Thanks very much, Jamie Delano. Or, <laughs> you know, his son suddenly becomes a, you know, a, what, what did his son do? Was he a vandal or something like that? His son went off the rails in, like, the most unconvincing way ever. Again, Dude. thanks, Jamie Delano. Yeah. <laughs> I read Grant Morrison. I read Peter Milligan's really clever follow-up. And then that was it. I was off. Yeah, you, you jumped off exactly at the right time. I actually yeah. made it through all the Tom Beach stuff. Oh, at, God. And the beginning of Jamie Delano. And you missed nothing. <laughs> That's my friend. Uh, let's see. T- uh, Demon Knights by Paul Cornell and Diogenes Neves or Neves. Yeah, very excited by that. Yeah. Uh, or, or maybe I should say quasi excited. I like Cornell. I like the concept. Don't know anything about the artist. Um, He's the artist who's been doing um, Green Arrow for the last year. Okay. So yeah. And it's it's perfectly serviceable stuff it's it's nothing spectacular but also another nothing ugly right it it's something that like i said i'm looking forward to trying it i just i also get a vibe that like if we had to pick the books that are gonna have a sh- tough time making it through their first year i would move that you think that's to a- the top of the list yeah yeah i don't think hey are you there graham i am can you hear me oh yes suddenly you were just doop, quiet and i'm like oh crap 
curse no, of Skype. No, I am here, honest. Uh, let's see, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade. Yes, super exciting. Can't wait. Um, did you read Frankenstein? Oh, that's not out yet. I got that because I got that as a, as a mailer. I was going to say, Damn did you read you? the Flashpoint? I was going to say, like, I was wondering when I saw your reviews the other day, I'm like, well, that's out already? Wait a minute. Uh, no, I haven't read it. You you enjoyed it, right? Yeah, I enjoyed it more than I expected. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, um, I'm pretty excited by that one. Just because I think that it's... So, I really love... It was one of my favorite little aspects of seven soldiers so i'm kind of hoping like to me it's like you'd have to work kind of hard to screw it up um but so yeah i'm i'm excited by it um one of the things i do like about the flashpoint book is there's much more seven soldiers than than expected Mm, that's great uh there's an interesting like where they have to go to sort out the mystery Uh it's slaughter swamp oh fantastic Fantastic, and I, I, which I totally didn't expect, and it was like, oh, he he really does remember like what happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that's a great twist. Um, okay, so you've also got Resurrection Man by Abnett Lanning and Fernando Danino. Right. Again, good for those guys. I never followed Resurrection Man the first time around, so mm. it was yeah, it was it was all right. I think I can't. I don't really remember it beyond like, huh, that existed. Um, right. I Vampire by Josh Filkoff and Andrea Sorrento. You know, uh, let me say that uh, thanks to Matt Maxwell, I met Josh Filkoff at WonderCon this year. He seemed like uh, seemed like a great guy. You know, that being said, that series struck me as the most um, clear cut case of we are DC Universe. You know, DC. We are DC Media. What is going to be our like Twilight comic, you know? And I, I think I'm okay with that. But <laughs> you are, yeah. No, I. I well, see, this is it. I kind of think that comics. Uh, I mean, as somebody who loved the Hypno Hustler, the Disco Dazzler, like, and even characters that came. I love the idea of cashing in on trends in comic books. That used to be like that used to be like comics thing. Exactly. That used to be it. And I think sometimes that that's kind of necessary. Yeah, know? but at the same time, I, I kind of agree. And then I'm also like, on the other hand, you get Curse of the Mutants. Right. Well, that that's doing it wrong, though. I mean, that's the, I, I appreciate that this isn't, you know, Bat Vampire or whatever, or, I don't know, Sexy Man Bat, you know, but I... <laughs> wow. I Sexy Man Bat would be spectacular. <laughs> Especially if it was called Sexy Man Bat. No, that's what I'm saying. If the series was called Sexy Man Bat. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, it is what it is. It's going to be an attempt. At least it's not like, well, actually, it looks like they probably are going to mire it in the midst of uh, DCU mythology. So we'll see if it works. But, I, you know, I'm kind of like... Yeah, mix it up a little bit. I, I think everything is going to be mired one way or another in the middle of DCU mythology. Yeah, yeah, I think I, so. I, don't, I don't think there's an escape. Um, yeah. Voodoo by Ron Mars and Sammy Basri. That's another one where I was like, you know, A, it's a Jim Lee property, and 
B, remember that time that like those guys from Spike TV came over and they'd done a lot of coke at lunch and they couldn't stop talking about voodoo? Maybe that'll happen again and we can get a TV show out of it. I, I, I saw this one those ones where you're like, that's the Wildstorm character you're going with? <laughs> really? Voodoo? And the only thing I can think about is it's because Alan Moore did that miniseries. Yeah, yeah, he totally did, and showed that, that is you... terrible. <laughs> I kind of liked it. Oh, Jeff! Jeff, I... you're being far too polite. I'm, I no, no, gullible. Maybe I'm a big fan of. I, I kind of dug the the whole like voodoo take on things. That being said, like once it was done, I was like, oh, Alan Moore, you've just totally like. God, it really was like the whole like uh, Alan Moore. We'd like you to write a, call, a character called Voodoo. He's like, right, I'm on it. Uh, all right, I've got the first four issues. Out. We're like, uh, Alan, have we told you anything about the character? Uh, no, I've never heard of her before in my life, mate. Here comes, here it comes. The fax <laughs> is going through right now. Just cash I, me that I, check. I love, I love that you included mate in there. Yeah, well, because I'm doing an unauthentic accent. Well, no, no. That was uh... <laughs> the reason I'm saying that is uh, I was rereading or reading, I should say, uh, Essential Thor Volume Five. There. <laughs> <laughs> in which uh, Jerry Conway has Thor go to London and Jerry Conway's British accents are spectacular aren't they great in one panel a woman not only calls Thor mate but also governor yes like, I was <laughs> about to say I was like I didn't use governor I thought that was actually a pretty good one I you read those interviews with Alan Moore he says mate a lot more than and you would governor. think okay Batwing by Judd Winnick and Ben Oliver Pip, pip, jolly good. It's Alan Moore here. Really? Yeah, sure. Why not? I'm going to go. It's like, hello there, Henry Higgins. It's me, Alan Moore. I've got some scripts for you. By gum. Oh, my God. You know what's incredible? Amazing. Uh, or in crazy. As I was just about to say, it makes it incredibly crazy. Um, your British accent sounds like Brian Hibbs. <laughs> It doesn't sound British at all, but it does sound like Brian Hibbs. Oh, man, I'm so crestfallen. This is as bad as the robot dog that I thought was my Transformers noise. Uh, really? Oh, I thought that was really good. Uh, I mean, as a, you know, bad British accent. Jeez, it sounds like Hibbs. How embarrassing. Okay, I'm sorry, moving on. Batwing, Judd Winnick, and Ben Over. I would like it better if it was Batmite. Let's put it that way. Red, sorry, Red Hood and the Outlaws by right, which is Scott also... Lobdell and Kenneth Rokapur. Oh, I was very shocked that wasn't a Judd Winnick book. Yeah, yeah, I was really shocked that wasn't Judd Winnick and also that Justice League International wasn't Judd Winnick. Mm-hmm. The two yeah. books he's spent a long time setting up and he's right. not writing. Yeah. They were like, hey, good job, man. Uh, you're not getting anywhere near those. Like, yeah. Seriously. There's <laughs> we're a giving it to Lobdell and Don Jurgens. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting way to salt that wound, isn't it? It's yeah, like, oh, okay. Well, I, I can understand if you didn't want to go my way with it. What? Who are you thinking? Oh, we're doing Scott Lobdell. Oh. All, all I have to say about Red Hood and the Outlaws is the only reason it's not called Red Hood and the Outsiders is because the Outsider from Flashpoint is quite clearly going to get his own series with, from James Robinson. Oh, very nice. And I will lay that? money on that now. How did you nail this down as a quite clearly? I Having read two issues of Flashpoint, I can't... Uh, just because I'm guessing they're bringing some characters over. There's only so many characters they really can bring over. Because you're obviously not going to get the Aquaman or the Wonder Woman or any of those characters. Right. Uh, pretty much the only new characters you can bring over are Captain Thunder and the Outsider. Right. And the fact that the book is not called The Outsiders, but called The Outlaws. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not going to reuse that IP... 
then you're using that IP somewhere else. There's going to be a bit of the outsider. Well, I would like to think that they have also turned the outsiders into such a poison toxic sludge. You know what I mean? Like, a, it's a poison IP. Like, let that son of a bitch air out for a couple of years. Gotta be nice, wouldn't it? It would. And it's not going to happen. I'm sure it is going to be the outsider, but... Actually, I maybe I don't know. I just think I hope that they're just retiring that. But yeah, that's the only reason why. And again, the book is kind of a kind of a weird one. You know, it's it's, kind it's of one a, of those. I guess you're really doing anything to make those fifty two books happen, huh? Yeah, exactly. Like, wow, you guys really had that number, huh? It's like, oof, so much for the miracles of uh, not being able to round down. Nightwing uh, by Kyle Higgins and Eddie Barrows. Hmm. Exactly, that book exists. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Batgirl by Gail Simone and someone. Who is drawing Batgirl? Batgirl is being drawn by Artie and Sayaf. You know, if I if I can back up this runaway train for a minute, which says, oh, oh no, you can't because we're almost in an hour and we're literally only midway into the DC solicits. Oh, holy crap! Uh, okay, well, but but so, what do you think the Nightwing thing means for Batman Incorporated? I think, honestly, in all intents and purposes, Batman Incorporated is uh, remaining continuity. Okay. Because there's actually something in this list that says, after a tenure as the Batman of Gotham, mm, okay. at, the, at the start of the solicit. Hmm. And Batwing, Batwing still exists. You'd have to come up with a whole oh, new yeah, yeah, exactly. if Batman Incorporated mm-hmm. isn't around. Uh, right. How that fits with Batgirl suddenly having her legs back, right. we'll see. I'm guessing it's going to be a very muddled thing. And what I'm really thinking is going to happen is there's going to be a different Oracle. Yeah, I think so as well. I think I, there's going to be a different Oracle who's not who's not Barbara Gordon. But in all intent, all other intense purposes, is the same Oracle. Hmm. I think there's going to be another crippled superheroine who's turned into Oracle. Right. Yeah, we'll see who. Do you have any theories as to who that might be? No. Although Ken Lowry suggested to me, and actually not just Ken Lowry, someone else did. Um, Adam Nave have both independently suggested to me that they think they're going to bring in Chloe from Smallville because she was Oracle in Smallville. Oh, yeah. You know, that's right. I did see Nave mention something about that. And I do think actually that that is it, what my conception of how DCU is trying to synchronize with DC Entertainment. I think that that's actually a pretty sharp choice. Uh, the other thing is... Uh, Jill Panatosi suggested to me that maybe it might be Wendy from Teen Titans, who apparently has been trained as a like a backup Oracle, mm-hmm. uh, which would be interesting, but also seems really Easter eggy. Do you know what I mean? I, I think it, I don't think it's a bold enough choice. Yeah, I, I I think that I think the best idea, you know, for me, it's always like try and figure out, you know, the what would Jeff Johns do? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, try and not even that, but for me, try and figure out what most people will recognize. Right. Well, and that's where I think Jeff Johns kind of goes a little bit. You know, it's like, what are most people going to recognize? And from the larger sense, from that kind of like, you know, if they hadn't if they hadn't biffed the whole Marvin and Wendy and Wonder Dog thing and Teen Titans already, which I think they would be safer pushing out under the rug. But yeah, Chloe, Smallville, it's big and there's a tie-in thing for it. I think it would be, I think it's a, I think it's, it's a really smart guess, I think, so... Bad Woman Number One by J.H. Williams, Hayden Blackman, and Amy Reader. Right. Uh, 
Yes. I'll, I'll be getting it. I'm glad it's finally coming out. Yeah. Uh, the end. <laughs> really, <laughs> well, is, there, is there anything more to say to, about it? Like, well, kind of like, wow, how lucky are you to sort of like be running dramatically behind on your book and suddenly get the call like, hey, good news, oh, we're rebooting I, the I, universe. I don't think they're running that behind. No, I think at one point when J.H. Williams was complaining on uh, the internet about the deadlines and how he keeps, he's like, we've been working at the same pace that we've been working at. And then it got moved up and then yeah, it got that, moved yeah, but back. That's, yeah, exactly. And then I think they moved it way back because they did this. I think what you right. could guess from the way all of that shifted out is whenever they decided, I think it was March, that they were pushing Batwoman all the way back to September is when they decided to do the reboot. Well, see, that's it. I think it was right around then. So I guess what I'm saying is is I don't think – I think that when Williams was complaining and the grumbling on the internet about DC like moving the schedules around and stuff like that, I don't think that he was doing that as a clever form of misdirection. I don't think he knew that the reboot was coming and I don't think DC knew at that point either. Yeah. So or, – or else it was like so sub rosa that the people that he was talking to didn't know. So – um, so yeah, I think I think like talk about you know profiting from a, a change of change in fortune, I guess. Yeah, Catwoman number one by Judd Winnick and Gillian March. Woo! I don't. I'm not. I'm not interested. Again, that exists. Yeah. Uh, Birds of Prey number one by Dwayne. I have no. Is it Swarzynski? Sure, Swarzynski. Yes. Uh, and Jesus Saez. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, any comments? You know, I kind of don't. I mean, I sort of feel like I th- I think that the I'm very torn on the Batgirl thing, the Batgirl Barbara Gordon is Oracle thing because I think that among other things, I think that Birds of Prey was a better would, book. Yeah, was a book that just it just it makes sense. It's kind of it's they did a remarkable job of building a franchise out of a bunch of disparate elements of the DCU and mm. I always feel like that's never quite recognized. You know, I guess to me that it always feels like people then turn around and go, oh yeah, Birds of Prey. Anybody could do that book. And I think that... In I, fact, I, th- I think that's been demonstrated not to be true. Exactly. I think A, very, very few people can do that book very well. And B, I think that the cast that you have in it is not is way more limited than, oh, yeah, just any female chick in the DCU. Let, bring her in. Oh, and the chick from uh, Wildstorm who, like, kills people. Bring her in, too. You know? That was... Did you notice that that was my English accent, by the way? I oh, that was... That, I, I didn't notice that. That was my Ewan McGregor imitation, actually. I was too busy looking at the cover for Batman and Robin by Pete Tomasi and Pat Gleason. Ah, uh, see, this whole DC thing. See, again, like... Batman the Dark Knights, there's nothing to say for the Batman books. They're the same Batman books. Right, which I think is not necessarily a bad choice, really. And, no, it makes a lot of sense. Batman yeah. 1 by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. It I'm looking says, forward to that book. I'm looking really? forward to that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will tell you two reasons. One, Batman 2, Greg Capullo. I like Greg Capullo. Really? 
Yeah, he was stuck doing the world's most boring comic book for over ten years. I can only imagine what he's done. Oh, he's he he's been he so material. He's been so faithful to to Rob Live and Evan Tom Parlin, hasn't he? Are yeah. insanely faithful. Yeah, and and as far as I can tell, Capullo can draw. He can draw quickly. He was actually able to draw McFarlane style and draw it. But that, that that's what I worry. I worry that he's just going to. That is his style. Now. No, I don't. I don't think so. I, I could be wrong, but I think that Capullo's got a ton of tricks in his wheelhouse and has never been really had a chance to let loose. So he's the one that I, I'm honestly saying it now. Will probably like feel like a fool when you say it back to me a year from now. I'm excited about that book. I am genuinely surprised about that. Um, the one thing I have to say about Batman issue one is: look at the cover. Look at the man that Batman is punching in green. Look at his hair. That seems to be the Riddler with a question mark for a mohawk. Yeah, but, okay, but isn't the guy off to the other side of him Professor Pig? Isn't that clearly Professor yeah, yeah, Pig I think that so. he's throwing aside? I think, so. I think so, but that's no surprise. Scott Snyder loves Graham Morrison stuff. Yeah, so I'm like, what do you have to worry about? You know you know what I have to worry about? Detective Comics number one by Tony Daniel. Okay, yeah, okay. See, there we go. I, uh, yeah, Tony Daniel. Green Lantern number one by exactly the same Green Lantern team. Woo! And Green Lantern? Sorry? I'm sorry. Is that the one that's got the image of, like, the fist and it's, you know, with the ring and the blood and, and uh, Jeff that's, Johns is... this way. That's a Green Lantern image. It doesn't yes. actually say whether that is the cover for Green Lantern. Oh, I thought, didn't John say something like, everything John, you want John to know says, about my run? Yes. Wait till you see the cover, but that's not necessarily the cover. Oh, okay. Thank God, because I was like, well, that cover means nothing to me, so I was well, what confused. I What I suspect is that is a portion of the cover. Because oh. if you just look at the thickness of the lines and everything, I think that's part of the cover. I think the rest of the cover is going to be whoever actually is Green Lantern in the book, because I don't think it's going to be Hal Jordan. Oh, see, I thought you were going to say whoever's going to be waving around the severed arm, because that, uh, that's the Green Lantern ring, because that's Jeff Johns' way, right? No, I think, I think we've got a new Green Lantern. Really? Do you yeah. know who it's going to be? No idea, but I don't think it's Hal. Is it Batmite? Is it Chloe? <laughs> is it, it, it's bat chloe see i was hoping you'd go for that chloe might it would be the best let's well reason. chloe might is dynamite that's actually <laughs> gonna be cover for green lantern core by pete tomasi and fernando Passerin, or as you might know them the people doing green lantern emerald warriors right now yes i all i have to say is why aren't we writing dc comics in 1976 because chloe, chloe might is, is dynamite, dynamite. <laughs> I would th- I'd be all over that. Seriously. That Green would, Lantern like... New Guardians. I'm pushing through these books, Jeff. Oh, sorry. Uh, by Tony Bedard and Tyler Kirkham are the current Green Lantern core team. Again, it exists. Mm-hmm. Red Lanterns by Peter Milligan and Ed Benes. And as we said last week offline, what a great creative match between Ed Benes <laughs> and Peter Milligan. <laughs> if ever there are two creators whose styles entirely matched, yeah. it must be those two. I'm looking forward to the convert. I'm really hoping that Pete Milligan like creates a red lantern that is just an enormous butt so that you can have like an enormous butt that a is vomiting blood and B is talking in true Ed Bennis fashion. Here's the thing. He would. Yeah, he would. (laughs) If he thought about it, he'd be like, I can make that work. Yeah. Please God. Hope that he's listening to this podcast, please. Wonder woman one by Brian Azarel and Cliff Chang. Wow. 
I, I... <laughs> kind of wanted to just leave it at that. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Let's go on. Well, that no. was such like a sad woe. Mm-hmm. Well, because I honestly, two thirds of that I love. I think Cliff Chang drawing Wonder Woman is going to be fantastic. I think Brian Azzarello gets involved. Oh, yeah, that just, ooh, ah, mm, mm. Aquaman by Jeff Johns and Ivan Rice. Right. Uh, I... <laughs> it's wonderful hearing your enthusiasm fade. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, everyone's like, we're, 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 we're going to get to Justice League, and you'll be like, uh, uh, well, we're, so I mean, close. we're so close to the end, Jeff. Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Well, actually, but we should catch your, some of your reactions, because I'm sure people I, are I more interested on that, you and the no- I don't oh, have right. that much reaction to any of these. Yeah. Uh, the Flash by Francis Manipal. I'm so glad to see that the man who managed to take the Flash off schedule is now writing and drawing the books. <laughs> exactly. I'm so happy to see that the person who can't draw the Flash will also be not writing him as well. <laughs> Fury of Firestorm, number one, by Gil Simone, Ethan Van Skyver, and Yeldre Sinar. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be buying it. I really like Firestorm, and I'm curious to see whether that really is the anti-monitor. Uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, I think that it, it'll be interesting. I think it'll be an interesting book. I, I sometimes think that um, when Gail Simone goes dark, she tends to go a bit too dark, and I think that Ethan Van Skyver tends oh, to I th- I think bring that out. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they'll be terrible at that. I think all of a sudden it'll be, like, incredibly, almost comedically grim. Yeah, exactly. And I'm uh, but I'm, little... I'm hoping it's not. I'm hoping it's more, she'll bring the comedy, he'll bring the grim, and it'll balance out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, ho- I can see why you would hope that. I'm also not entirely convinced. Uh, Tony Daniel and Philip Tan doing the Savage Hawkman, or as I call it, the book that I think everyone wants to get cancelled first. <laughs> Yeah, I think. Come actually, on, seriously, Tony Daniel writing Philip Tan drawing, and it's called the Savage Hawkman. Nobody wants to read that book. Uh, I would look at an issue. Uh, let's put it this way: I'm not. Well, actually, Philip Tan. I, I keep thinking like, oh no, I hate him. But I'm thinking of Billy Tan. I think who I really do not like. Philip Tan oh. is like Billy Tan, but he uses brushes. Oh, okay. Well, then it's going to be hard. See, I mean, here's my problem with Hawkman. It's that's always been a tough sell character. You know what I mean? Because you just can't. Maybe if they do it right, like, and it's a historical book. I know See, that's that just stupid. it. Like, Jeff Johns came up with a great high concept for Hawkman, and almost everyone since then has run away from it. Okay, Here, let me let me uh, insert. Agree and disagree. <laughs> well, yeah, because on the one hand, I I agree with you that Johns did a great job with the high concept, and I loved it. And I think part of the reason why this book exists is precisely because they think that they can do a... Well, you know they, there's, a, there's a movie in the works, Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. And depending on how much for that movie, it would not surprise me if, if all this stuff rolls is not just a 12-month conceit. I think year two we'll see, us, we'll see Jeff Johns rolling off of Aquaman and back onto Hawkman. That being said, my problem with Hawkman isn't the the backstory, which I thought Johns did a great job smoothing the the corners away on. It's just the idea of Hawkman is a guy that unless you are going to show him honestly bashing the brains out of somebody, which is not a DC hero way of doing things, he But it is might be now. He's the uninteresting. Well, see, that's it. If he was the Savage Hawkman and they set it back as like a historical thing, so it's 
essentially Conan with wings, A, I would read it, and B, you would have a lot less frustration with the title. And honestly, you can build that into the concept because of the resurrection angle that Jeff Johns brought back. So you could actually not even set it in the present day and have essentially Conan with wings where you don't have to worry about him hanging out with Superman and and Batman and going, yeah, yeah, I decapitated a guy and put his head on a pike. It was pretty awesome. (laughs) And Superman just like, he kind of blushes and put his his hands up to his mouth and he's like, oh, Carter. (laughs) Green Arrow number one by J.T. Krull and Dan Juergens. Whoa. Oh, sorry, sorry, superstar artist. Oh, thank God! Uh, actually, you it was the other Dan Jurgen. Yes, no, actually, I didn't. I had never. I skipped over that announcement so fast. I think that I I might have slipped an occipital lobe, but I don't. I JT Kroll and Dan Jurgens. Wow, that's that's, that's really. It's it's going to be on time, Jeff. Yeah, they want it to be chocolate and peanut butter, but it's really like mayonnaise and broken glass, isn't it? <laughs> That's actually the name of the first story arc. That that would be great. It's a cop team, you know? Like <laughs> He's mayonnaise, she's broken glass. <laughs> Together, they're dynamite. Um Justice yeah. League International number one from writer Dan Jurgens. That's a different person from superstar artist Dan Jurgens. It is. And artist Aaron Lepresti. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it explain a lot if, like, Dan Jurgens was, like, Christian Bale's character in The Prestige and, like, no. was actually two separate and we wouldn't didn't Wouldn't it be better if Dan Jurgens was, like, Voltron? <laughs> and, and, like, all the parts of him, like, flew together from, like, different lesser, even lesser DC luminaries, you mean? Yeah, exactly. That would be kind of great. Like, you get a whole bunch Quick, of, like... We need someone to write Justice League International. <laughs> and you get, like, you know, J.C. Krull and, uh, like, Brett uh, Booth. And yeah. James Robinson, and they all put like their hands together, right. and they go Jurgens, Jurgens <laughs> together. Again, uh, Captain Adam number it. one, talking about JT Crawl and Freddie Williams the second. Freddie Williams the second. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I uh, again don't care. I I've never. That's one that you're just like, wow, that's random. Again, yeah, I yeah, just exactly. had that idea of like somebody was like like. The, it's it's the, a, they've got a 52 books. No, I, again, I honestly, I don't think, like, what we look at, I don't think that there's any waste in any of this stuff. I honestly, I, believe... I honestly think there might be waste in Captain Adam, because I think, every, and I think having two nuclear powered superheroes. Right. I think. Like you can't do this with. I, I personally what? think, I think that Captain Adam made it to some stage of either a TV show or an animated series pitch and just missed that brass ring. And they're like, we've got to, we've got to keep this around. We've got what to I, this. what I really genuinely like about Captain Adam is that um, what defines the character now is kind of a retcon that came from of all things Armageddon two thousand one. Right, right. Which is, it's not just that he got his powers from jumping forward in time once with a nuclear bomb. Any overload of energy will now send him through time. Oh, I forgot that part. Like, I, I thought that's you meant a, the that's fact a complete that... retcon from Armageddon 2001. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's become like his defining characteristic now. Yeah, I, is it is? I guess so. It's, I mean, it's I... what he was there for in Superman Batman. Then he adds Captain Arm- Atom Armageddon, uh-huh. which that was, the, that was the core concept of that. Then in Justice League International, that was what he brought to the book. 
in Generation Lost. So yeah, that's that's his thing. I guess that's his thing, huh? Wow. Yeah. Well, it's it makes sense. That that's the thing that is stuck to him. He's like a finale of Lost, all to himself. Oh, there's your pitch right there. Yeah, that, that probably was the all, pitch. almost as good a pitch as the solicit for Mister Terrific Number One, which I maintain there will not be a better solicit this year. <laughs> I, I'll read it. The world's third smartest man and one of its most eligible bachelors. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, I'm not done. Rings and fists against science gone mad. Okay, three things about this. There's nothing better than uses his brains and fists against science gone mad. True. Souls right there. Absolutely. True. The world's third smartest man is kind of an insult. Seriously, what the fuck, guys? Why? One of its most eligible bachelors. That's because his origin story, it's all about his wife dying. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, there's nothing that's not gold about that solicit. Seriously, whoever wrote that solicit, I don't know if it's the person, if that was pulled right from the pitch, but there is somebody there who is passing up a promising career as a Washington spin doctor. Oh, it's it's so good. Seriously, that pitch alone sold me on the book. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, I'm looking forward to that one too. DC Universe Presents, which starts off with Dead Man by Paul Jenkins and Bernard Shine. Mm-hmm. Somebody pointed <laughs> somebody pointed out that the the initials spelled D cup, which I it tickled me greatly. No, it spells D cup. It's DC Comics Presents, not DC Comics Universe Presents. I thought it was DC Comics Universe Presents. Is it? I, even though I just read it, I've already scrolled past it and have forgotten. I've got to look back. You're entirely right. It's DC Universe Presents. Hooray! <laughs> right. Oh, D-Cup is speed, my friend. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, person on the internet who I can't remember to give credit to. And awesome. finally, Justice League number one. And thank God it only took us an hour to get through that. Perfect. My God, we're just blazing right through this. Justice League number one. Jeff. Yes. Uh, to which I say, Justice League number one, Graham. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to buy it. It'll be fine. Generally, you'll be off by issue six. Um, you know, fine. It'll it'll be fun. It'll be Jeff Johns doing a Justice League book, which, let's face it, he's probably wanted to do for a really fucking long time. Oh, I, I'm, I'm kind of excited by him doing the Justice League angle of it. It's the Jim Lee part that totally... He'll be gone by issue six. Yeah. Actually, issue six might come out in 2013, but he'll be gone. <laughs> I'm sure he's like three issues in. I, I, I'm sure he's at least on my issue, to be honest. That, that he's up, you think? I think they wouldn't say you must have three issues done by August 31st if they weren't convinced he'd have four. Uh, see, I personally think if they didn't think that he You think that's three, why you said three? <laughs> exactly. I think you they're like... Because that's exactly how many issues he'll have finished? Totally, totally. I think he's like two and three quarters of the way through now and they're like, okay, we got to press him to get three done by August 31st. Let's make an announcement to everybody. You know? Yeah, but seriously, what are they going to do? Fire Jim Lee? That's not going to happen. Well, that's why they can't do it. That's why they got to, like, break down the public shaming thing. <laughs> and then they'll be like, call him. He'll be at his Italian villa. And he'll be like, Jim, by the way, you did see that thing where we told everybody we we're going to. No, but also, but then they'll be like, you know, we meant that. But then Jim hurt his hand. Well, of course. Of course he did. Harassing. You know, I mean, yeah, we'll see. I personally think that, that he probably has. At least three in the hole. I would like to believe that. God, I would like to believe that. But um, we'll see. I mean, we'll see when it slips. Yeah, exactly. When it slips or ships. 
Slips. I meant to say okay. slips. Okay, really, just checking. It's, go, it's going to slip at some point, even if yeah. it's just a week. It's going to slip. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, so that's the DC Universe reboot, everyone. I think we've bored you all to death. Well, no, I that. think uh, I think it was great. I, I mean, I do think that they let let's put it this way. I think what people wanted to hear was the insider baseball-y thing that, of course, everyone's talked to death. That, as as my wife put it, DC. <laughs> DC is working really hard to make sure that the uh, the carpet matches the drapes. University, you know what I mean? Universe-wise, like the idea that that all these ter- characters yeah, are going to be. Ed has come up with the most inappropriate way of saying that. I and which is why I love her to car- death. Car- corporate synergy. That's one way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Making sure the carpets <laughs> match the Pubic drapes. Hair matching the head hair. That's another way of putting it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, what's that? Wait, how, what is that? That's carpet matching the drapes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wait, uh, have you never heard that before? Wait, well, actually, I didn't hear it now, unfortunately. What did you say? I, I said pubic hair matching the hair in your head. <laughs> oh, yeah, I had no idea what you were talking about. Dude, I like pubic hair. I just had to Google that now, so... <laughs> You've never heard of pubic hair before? I've just had to Google pubic hair. Let me tell you, the results that come back are fascinating. No matter how you set the safe search, you cannot set it safe enough. I'm alarmed. Search, that's all I'm saying. Be careful, Graham. Very careful. Jeff, we have lots of questions. We do. We totally do, Graham. Like, why were the 70s so obsessed with dynamite? Like, if you think about it, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, was it a new invention? Like, you just saw it yes. everywhere and yes. advertising it slogans was a, for it everything. Was and then they send it back in time to the Wild West. Right. See, that's what I'm thinking. It's been around forever, but was there some weird dynamite legalization movement that was going it's, on on the side? It, it was just everywhere. It's, what's his name? Jimmy Walker. Yes. No, but right. he's, he's the one, like, his weird single-handed fascination with dynamite made right. America fall in love with dynamite. It is true, like Dynamite Magazine, like uh, Napoleon Dynamite. I don't know. It was just the 70s were packed with dynamite is all I'm saying. Are you really saying Napoleon Dynamite came from the 70s? Because, Jeff, I hate to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the questions, Grant. <laughs> okay. First question is from Adam Nave, and it is the most fitting question of all. Yes. I need to be told the story of Lazy Bastard getting cut off at the waffle window. Oh, God. Uh, Yeah. Uh, that is a great fitting question. I think you should tell the story because I don't, I don't, I think I don't think I can. <laughs> is it too painful? It might be. I, or I don't really remember. Jeff um, Lester loves the Waffle Window, ladies and gentlemen. The Waffle yeah. Window is, as the name might suggest, a window here in Portland where they will serve you waffles. Admittedly, money has to change hands. Yes. Uh, the waffles are not just any waffles. They are Belgian sugar waffles, or I believe they're called liege waffles, if you're posh. Um, and they have a variety of yummy, yummy, yummy toppings. Jeff likes these. Don't get me wrong, I like these too, but Jeff really likes them. To the point that when we went to the Waffle Window uh, on his first morning here, he had three <laughs> when he went to get the third, we were joking beforehand that they were going to cut him off. And then the woman serving actually says, I think we need to cut you off. Yes, separately and independently. Yes, I she was did not horrified. hear us saying that, which yeah. was the best part. She just knew herself yeah. that it was time uh, to get you cut off. And I have to say, I meant to yesterday go by the wolf window and get the name of these people. Yes. To give them a shout out in the podcast, and I completely forgot. So, person who was serving at the waffle window, I'm really sorry I don't know your name, but cutting Jeff off was the best thing to do. 
However, there are two postscripts to this story, Adam Nate. Number one, Jeff went back that afternoon and got it awful. And number two, we then went back the next day and Jeff got another couple of waffles, the second of which was given to him free because he'd been such a good customer. Okay, the the two postscripts here are, one, I was given the free waffle because be- of me. Because of you, exactly. Which exactly. I still don't understand. Yeah, they, yeah. They said, dear listeners, that um, first of all, they knew me by name, yeah. which was kind of weird. And secondly, because you're such, you're a fa- they said, you're a favorite customer because you're such a great customer. You can get a free waffle. Yeah. These are on the house. What makes this strange is that before you had come up, Mm -hmm. I hadn't been to the waffle window in months. Yeah. Like months. I couldn't tell you the last time I'd been there. Yeah. I have no idea why I'm their favorite customer. I'm really glad I am. (laughs) I also also don't entirely know how they know my name. (laughs) the curious case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Waffle. It is, at some point. I, obviously, I'm going and being like, can I have waffles? My name's Graham. Can I have waffles? <laughs> I have to say, I if I was there, I would do that all the time. Yeah, I will totally admit, not only did I have uh, four waffles in one day, I gladly would have gone back for a fifth. Oh, you, really that was oh, yeah. you, you didn't have any of the sweet waffles. You only had the savory waffles. I only had the savory waffles. And then I think it was the next morning when we got more waffles and ended up getting freebies, uh, they had a little uh, chocolate waffle. Oh, the sampler of the chocolate waffle, yeah. Oh my god, so good. I'm like, why haven't I got Jeff, this? If they cu- if they bring back the chocolate and candied orange waffle. Oh my Seriously, you just have to drive up for that alone. Yeah. Uh, actually, listeners, it's worth admitting that not only did I get cut off at the waffle window, but on the second day, at some point, they decided to bring out a package of six waffles to present to me to see if I would be interested in buying them in bulk because they were apparently so tired of having me clogging up their window much like their waffles were clogging up my arteries by that point. And as you uh, said, the only reason you didn't is that you had to keep them refrigerated and you had a 12-hour drive ahead of you. Well, <laughs> otherwise, that's the only otherwise you would have bought it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I told. Are you kidding? Absolutely, absolutely. So, yes. That yes, is there's anyone in Portland. Uh, it, the waffle window is on, I think it's 36th and Hawthorne. Um, and you should really go. Yeah. They, they are awesome. They, they absolutely, the people are great. The waffles are fantastic. Seriously, anything that you like, if you like the sweet or you like the savory, it's amazing how well the savory waffles work. I am I am not joking. I would totally allow them to be like the regular sponsors of this podcast after that, after your trip up here. <laughs> I would also be interested in that if they were willing to ship me waffles. I'm sure they would. <laughs> James Massenti says, DC Reboot, specifically, will 52 issue ones in a month be enough to finally kill the already gravely misdirected markets? <laughs> I'm going to say, maybe. It's not It's not going to kill, but it's it's not going to help. I, I was actually talking to Hibs about this yesterday. My fear is that Marvel are just going to put out the regular amount of launches as well. Right. Because that alone is going to make like 70 launches. Yeah. Yeah. Which is horrible. Yeah. 
No, I think I think it's a really super super tough time for the direct market. Having fifty two relaunches come out in in such a short period of time, and unfortunately, this is the thing of the marketplace. As I think you and I had talked about, the marketplace more or less said, like, you know, if DC publishes less titles, Marvel just publish more and take more of the market share. Yeah. You know? it, but, it, uh, but it doesn't work the opposite way. That's just it. Like, DC deciding we're going to publish 52 titles does not take away market share from Marvel. Uh, I don't think so. Although, I'll be really curious to see if, because, I don't know, I, I kind of think Fear itself D- is... DC will have a spectacular September. Oh, sure. I, I'm sure the next month will pretty much be back to normal in terms of market share. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Maybe not, but we'll see. I mean, I uh, unfortunately, what I just I don't like is it really feels like playing chicken. Marvel and DC playing chicken, but unfortunately, the uh, the direct with, with, with yes right with now. real people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, not with them, but real people. So yeah, I I'm not I'm not pleased about it. Uh, honestly, I would have been much happier with a smaller rollout, with a sort of an extended rollout, where if we'd gotten 52 number ones, you know, over the course of several months. But you know, it's it's funny. I was listening to House to Astonish talking about this, and Paul O'Brien said something which was entirely sensible. But he says, you know, there's no way that DC will not do, like roll out these titles slowly over three months. To do anything else was just insanity. And you could hear as he's saying that he's like, "Oh, they're rolling them all out in one month." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, wah. so anyway, yes, James, I I I share your trepidation. I suppose. Uh, I don't know. I I think the direct market's got. A lot more legs in it than um, than I think people generally think. But I'll be really curious to see what this does. If the if the um, DC Digital has any effect whatsoever. Yeah, I was going to say. I think that the problem is more what's day and day going to do. Yeah, uh, and my theory is. Well, see, I mean, it's a tough call. It's like I'm tempted to say that day and day will not do much at least priced at the same amount, which honestly I think is very fair. I think a two ninety nine book and a two ninety nine day and date release sort of thing is great. I just wonder if there's going to be unintended consequences where everyone's like, oh, but if I wait a month and we like it drops a dollar or something like that, I think that's going to be like you can't have that happen either. You know what I mean? You can't reward people for the delayed gratification. Like I, I think it might be the same problem that they had with with them sort of being so quick to rush to trades, frankly. Which I know you're you're you were sort of espousing for the DC reboot. Well, I, I just think they have to get to trade quicker. Hmm. At yeah. least for the at least for the first collections. I think otherwise you're you, they are leaving money on the table. Right. No, I I think that I would be really interested in them. Day and date is going to be a huge factor. I think it's going to be a bigger factor than than how many titles are flooding the market because you could see a whole we still don't know how many of those people i mean are you really going to be converting people who are reading torrents on day of release to actually buying comics or are you actually weaning right i hope so i would hope those numbers would be big but you know i'm a little more worried that you've got people who are like "Ah, i don't feel like going to the comic shop today or and you know what? I, I've been meaning to stop using a pull list system for a while, and this way I can make sure 
I'm not going to miss any of my releases, at least on the DC side of things. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, it's, I, I find the whole thing incredibly worrying. I'll be great. I'll be <laughs> I'm, I'm really curious to see like what October looks like. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Totally. Like I think September is going to be insane, but I'm really curious to see what everyone's thinking in October. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I will be really curious as well. So, uh, Adam Nave asks, what do you think of the chance this DC reboot pulls in line with Smallville? We've just said that. Alison Candy asks us about DC Reboot, which we've talked about. The awesome ending to Flashpoint 2, which <laughs> is awesome. And the continued terribleness of um, Beer itself. Ah. Uh, hmm. Wait. So, why is he? Uh, Alison Candy. Ah. Oh, Alison Candy. Not, not is... Alison. Uh, not, another Alison. Not, not, oh, I see. Alison Candy. Oh, I see. Wow. See, I don't, I don't, I don't think she <laughs> you follows me. You didn't see all of these. I'm like, look at this picture. My goodness. Like, I just usually get like, I like Dell Computers 301, like following me. So I, you are, Graham, your people are awesome. That being said, <laughs> I love the ending of Flashpoint. I thought it was hilarious and dumb. I love the opening part of Flashpoint with um, Oh, Destro and Aquaman? Yes, and honestly the Aquaman stuff didn't tickle me half as much as the um, the the Clayface's first commander and whoever that obscure Aquaman villain is, the Fisher. You know what I really, really, really like uh, about the the Flashpoint spinoffs? Is the backstory for Aquaman and Wonder Woman that they're explaining there. Oh, yeah? Which is Aquaman and Wonder Woman at one point were going to get married to join uh, Paradise Island and Atlantis together until Aquaman ordered on their wedding day that Wonder Woman's mother should be murdered. <laughs> as you do. As, as you, you do. do. <laughs> like, I, I genuinely find that kind of awesome. I, I love that Aquaman is just such a bastard. Yeah, yeah. If you get Emperor Aquaman, you discover that um, his plot to destroy the surface world right. is actually keeping Geoforce in a massive container and then shocking him with electricity so that he will cause earthquakes. <laughs> well, who doesn't love that? But isn't that awesome? <laughs> I kind of love that. So yeah, I actually really like that about Flashpoint. Flashpoint itself is the most expositionary comic in the world. No right. one does anything. Everyone just talks about doing something. Right. Um, but it's full of these crazy ideas. Well, I, I love the crazy ideas. And honestly, you get... What I liked about Flashpoint 2 was it was anywhere from one half to two thirds of the way filled with crazy ideas. Uh, the ending crazy, that that Steve Trevor Wonder Woman sequence with Lois Lane, kind of crazy. Uh, also, with that hilarious last line, yeah. where he's like, she's like, definitely doing this. Like, okay, and she's better looking than you as well. <laughs> it's like, really? Seriously? You're going for that? Yeah, no, they totally are. She's the most beautiful woman in the world. Uh, I I thought Flashpoint 2 was really, really dumb. And in a way but, that... But dumb, awesome, as opposed to just yeah, dumb. exactly. Like dumb, enjoy, like zombie shark dumb in a way that I really enjoyed. It, the only thing that was a drawback for me about it was I thought the sequence between Barry Allen and Batman went on way too long. And at some points, like, I don't know if they meant to do this, but like... Maybe Thomas Wayne Batman is dim. 
because there's a few points where he actually asks things or says things that Barry Allen has already explained, and I don't. Oh no, that that's that's Jeff making sure that the readers understand that he's dim. <laughs> no, the readers understand what Barry is saying. Oh, really? You think? Yeah, I, I honestly think Bama. I think Bama's entire purpose in this story is to be a someone to Bar- for Barry Allen to talk to. Mm-hmm. until the end where he makes some grand sacrifice to bring his son back to life. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's it. Okay. I, I think there's no other point to him. Um, Fear itself, did you actually buy issue three or did you remember that I talked you out of buying it in the store of Winston? And then well, stuck to that? Uh, you know what? Honestly, I ended up, I have read it and I ha- I'm sure I have a copy waiting for me because, um, I don't know, maybe this is, you know, we're readers. Listeners, we're doing, uh, and by we, I mean uh, not Graham, it, there's a Savage Critics Symposium that's coming on Flash. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about it. So I've been reading all the goddamn issues. And uh, Fear Point, Fear Itself, number three, was really bad. Was so it's, bad. It's, it's a nice speed, but does not just feel like half a comic? It's yes. so fast. Yeah. It's, it's, there's nothing to it. There's there's less than nothing to it. I also was wondering at some point. I I love Stuart Eminem's art, but I do think that maybe he fucked some stuff up, uh, storytelling wise, unfair itself that Where? made it read worse. Okay, well, uh, a good example would be um, like at the very end, and I guess we're moving heavily into spoiler territory here. But when uh, when Captain America rallies. Um, Falcon and Black Widow together and is like, okay, Avengers assemble! And then they disappear and it's just him jumping at Sin and then once she rips off his arm and hits somebody and sort of knocks them through the sky, you you don't necessarily know who that is. Like, I sort of assumed... That, I, I thought that was Balky. Yeah, but if it is, like, the very next panel is her slamming her hammer like into him you know what i mean like it's she doesn't cover any ground like you just have to assume that he's she's like jumped she does, all that yeah, way she, yeah that, that's honestly what i assume it, that it, 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 right which is kind of a bad transition in a way when the thing hits him i'm you're not entirely sure like when when she says like my father was a clown the serpent is coming tell them tell them all it won't help she's walking away at that point. You see the feet. So you're assuming that she's saying this to everyone, and yet it kind of doesn't make any sense why he's trying to tell uh, Falcon and Black Widow, and it should be pointed out at least two members of the Secret Avengers who are more or less just drawn in the background from a distance and or absent throughout the rest of the issue. So it wasn't until you get to the end that I was like, wait, Valkyrie's there? And then you go back and you look and like, oh, Shang-Chi's running around like jumping through robots and stuff. Like you don't really see him. So I'm like, are the rest of the Secret Avengers there? But I just see, thought there were bad storytelling choices. I kind of want to be like, yes, that's really Stuart Eminem. But I also remember Thor had this, exactly the same issue. As have lots of other Matt Fraction comics. But did and you... I, but it, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like at what point... Is it the artist's fault? At what point is it the script is insane? Right. I if think there's the script is visual, overpacked with beats, yeah. If there's bad visual storytelling in every comic, or the majority of comics, by the same writer, at what point does it actually become a bad script? 
Uh, well, here's the thing. I thought the script for this was terrible. Don't get me wrong. I'm in no way forgiving. There's shit in here that I thought was just really, really bad. And I'll get to uh, it. Isn't there Grimsy. some hilarious parts? Who wants to roll the retire? I don't know, Mr. March for Dan. Yeah, exactly. Actually, my big problem was the uh, the whole setup scene with Ben Grimm and the hammer. Where oh, it was a guy like the guy just being a dick, and he's like, "Hey, didn't say human torch, did you? Huh? Yeah, what? Huh? Yeah, it's it's honestly in Mark Fraction's version of the Marvel Universe, everyone's a dick. Well, or I mean, there's there's that, but look at the okay. Here are two two consecutive word balloons from Reed Richards. Ben, we'd like you to try moving it now. The next panel board balloon from him ben wait not so like not so what like come move the hammer no way don't move the hammer like you know what i mean there's no point to it <laughs> no like, no because he's saying we want you to move the hammer no i'm joking it's, it's yeah this it's this thing mr fantastic does with the thing because now that the human torch is dead no one's being like the crazy japester with the thing okay right. So Reed Richards has taken that on by just oh, giving entirely contradictory advice. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. What he does is like you know, on before the thing became whatever breaker of whatever he is now, right. uh, what would happen is they'd be going, they'd be walking down the street, mm-hmm. and the thing would be like, "Oh, look at those shoes!" And Mr. Jackson would be like, "Those shoes would look great on you." And the thing, <laughs> like, but but they cost a million dollars. And Reed Richards is like, "No, it's fine. You've you've got a lot of money. Remember you're rich. Remember JMS set that up." And he's like, "Sure, I'm going to go buy those shoes." And he goes buy the shoes. And then it starts raining, and Reed Richards is like, those shoes are stupid, and you've just wasted a million dollars, and you're going to get worth it, ruined in this rain. That's the comedy they're doing. That's exactly what he's doing in this case. I have to say, I would read that comic. <laughs> Reed, Reed Richards, stretchable dick. Yeah, stretchable dick. Oh, my God. I was thinking something somewhat close to that. Really good. Yeah, so, I mean, the whole thing of, like, I, I it just it, it makes no sense, and maybe it's supposed to be wait Ben wait not so aggressive in the lifting of the hammer because Ben saying not stuff so fast. like yeah, yeah like why yeah. it makes no it makes no fucking sense the beats only exist there because it because you're aware that there's supposed to be beats there but they don't they 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 make no inherent sense similarly when Ben turns around suddenly can speak English and destroys Yancey Street oh no that's just a like. Some of them can speak English, some of them can't, because last issue, mm-hmm. Titan or whatever her name is, could speak perfect English afterwards. Right. Oh, right. She totally could. She had a conversation. Yeah. Like, she was completely in control enough to have a conversation and be like, yeah, your hammer's over there. Right. Or it's like, other guys are like, I am speaking in runes. <laughs> well, There's they all also- start speaking by runes first out, and I... I... I suppose I always get the sense that somebody's supposed to be doing the work to actually transcribe the Norse runes to know what he's saying, but or any of them are saying. But uh, fuck it. I'd be really surprised if they're not all doing some variation on "I am so powerful." Right. I have the power. Also, uh, do, do they all speak in runes? I'm pretty sure Sin doesn't. I'm pretty sure that Titania doesn't. I, I think Maybe everyone don't. I think the very first time. Oh, really? Interesting. I thought that they all, the very first words out of their mouth, were some sort of um, Nordic doodah. But, oh wait, let me see. I have Fear Itself 1 and 2 right here, because that's something I never do. Um, Blur, 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 blur. Titania picks it up, and yeah, she actually says 
Norse runes and then follows it up with oh, she my does? love. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, and then Sin. Uh, let's see here. Sin. She probably just picks it up and be like, "I'm not a character. <laughs> I exist because the real Red Skull isn't around anymore, yeah. but I'm powerful." <laughs> I hate. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's see what happens here. Sin does nothing for me at all. Oh, I know. I it kind of for me too. I think sort of. Um. Oh, I got the wrong thing. Okay. Pick, pick, there's the page. Oh, you know, actually, Sin doesn't. Sin's got a dialogue with no, like a word balloon with no dialogue in it, and then says, Behold, I am resurrected. See? Father, you're next. Yeah. Let's just, let's just leave it as fear itself is not very good. Really? Can't we talk about how terrible it is? Because I really <laughs> thought, I really thought fear itself three was Oh, I, I thought I thought it was a, I thought it was like bad, bad. It was yeah. bad as in I would really hope that people will stop buying this bad. Yeah. Um, and also, I am really sad that this is probably going to be the best selling comic of the year. Yeah. Not that issue. I mean, serious. Uh, I hope not. I hope people are ju- start jumping off of this after the first issue because I thought the first issue wasn't strong. Oh, the I first issue this... was bad, but at the same time, the third issue is just horrible. Well, see, that's it. The third issue is. It really is just awful. Like, the second issue was really bad as well. Mm-hmm. Right. The second well, issue was it. all filler. And for the third issue to feel like more filler is um, stunning to me. Well, this is the thing that's really bad is, is that the, the, the third issue, the third issue actually has things happen. And it's done, told so poorly that you don't feel any of it. You okay. Outside of Bucky's death, what else actually happens in the third issue? Uh, the thing destroys Yancey Street. Okay, but that's just a transformation scene that if you don't know what Yancey Street is, it means nothing to you. Yes, but the theory is is that this is being read by Marvel fanboys, in which case it's supposed to be huge. I, I guess that's... This, did you see Axel Lund's, um teaser for X-Men Schism today? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay, so what it is, is they've released an image, and the image basically is Cyclops and Wolverine fighting, and it contains what I am calling a letter to the reader from Axel Alonso. It actually is even signed by him. Okay. Okay. And this letter, just like Fear itself, really goes to show me that Marvel only cares about Marvel readers. Mm-hmm. Because just like Fear itself only works if you're a Marvel reader and you know what Yancey Street is. Okay. Otherwise, Fear itself three, that scene means nothing. You're like, oh look, it's another hu- superhero become a bad guy, just like the Hulk did last right. issue. That's it. Honestly, there's, there's no a- extra emotional beat right. unless right. you know what Yancey Street is. And then there's still no emotional beat because they fuck it up. But yes, go on. Yes. Sure, but like there's not even a hint of one. Do you know what I mean? Right. Agreed. Agreed. The, okay. Axel Alonso says, Schism is the X-Men's civil war. The biggest X event in a decade divides the mutant universe across distinct battle lines and asks the readers the question, whose side are you on? Oh, God. And there's a reason Schism ends at exactly the same time as Fear itself. Next summer, the entire Marvel universe will have its eyes on the X-Men. And then he signs it. Here's the thing. All that says is like, hey, do you like Marvel Comics? This is a Marvel comic. <laughs> Seriously, it's just like, do you remember Civil War? Civil War sold a lot. This is just like Civil War, but it's got the X-Men in it. We'll yeah. even use the same tagline. And it's going to be important for the future of the Marvel Universe. It's stunningly insular. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, really staggeringly, appallingly insular. And at a time when DC, at least they're making noises about, let's try and find new readers. Mm-hmm. And being bold about it. It's it's honestly, Marvel come off as just looking like, we're okay with what we've got. 
Well, okay, here's my thing, and, and it is a step further than that, is I honestly believe that both of these events shown, portrayed in this comic book could have importance to you if they were done correctly. You know if, what I mean? If at any point anyone had decided to explain to you why you should care, sure. Exactly. If, That's what I'm if saying. If there was any scene... Yeah. In fact, if you take the same page of the guy pissing off the thing mm-hmm. and redo the word balloons, so instead right. of the guy saying you couldn't save the human torch, has some sort of comment about how the thing grew up on Yancey Street. Right. And you never an, come back it, here. And yeah, you've never and done anything becomes, good for us. And, it immediately yeah. becomes a better comic. No, I to- believe me, I totally agree. I, at the risk, because I, I will admit, spoiler, I've made a, a fool out of myself in the uh, the symposium. I didn't really know that Bucky was dead. That's how poorly handled That's, I thought that scene. So was. many people said that in mm-hmm. response to my Savage Critic review. Yeah, it's like exactly seriously, mm-hmm. like that. That's when you know it's a badly told story. Yeah, that's what when I think. When you kill off one of your characters, and people who read the comic don't know that. Yeah, I was like, uh, okay, I get, I guess. You know what I mean? Because to me, there have been so many drop balls and bungled opportunities that you're just not on board with what the writer's doing anymore. You're just like, he could be dead. He could be really injured. He could be like... Really? That's, you know, to, to, to quote Hawkeye in Avengers Disassembled, not like this, you know? <laughs> I, don't, really. I don't think he said it like that, although that would be spectacular. My backpack's on fire. Oh, not like this. Not like this. Not like this. No. That would be great. I actually think that... Uh, oh, please, Screw Robert. Jeremy Renner. I want Jerry Seinfeld to be playing uh, Hawkeye. <laughs> to, to a motion comic of Avengers Assembled with Jeff doing all the voices. I, I hate to say it, I'm enough of a ham. I would be all over that. And as we said, I, I accidentally missed out that James uh, also asked for us to do a dramatic recitation from paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> as I said on Twitter, I've not read it, but Jeff, you have the floor. Uh, yeah, you know, we're running out of time, so let's give that floor <laughs> back to you for some more questions. Okay, Michael Walker asks, is everyone freaking out about nothing in terms of the DC unit, uh, reboot? He then says, in my opinion, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like I said, for me, the big thing is 52 52 titles and pushing to date and and do it. Day and date. Thank you. I screwed that up. I'm like, date and digital. No, that's not it. Yeah. Dooba 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 doo. (laughs) Scooby dooby doo. Exactly. Honestly, I think that we should send you pages from paying for it now because there are scenes where people aren't actually Str- seeing Stranger than the night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. Uh, next question is um, Andrew Foley asking a spectacular question. Do you think the DC reboot will have any lasting effects on the state of the waffle industry? Oh, thank you, Andrew. Uh, I'm a little worried. Let's put it that way. I'm a little. I'm very worried. The Michael Walker industry is important to me. Michael Walker then comes back and says, "Is Flashpoint a complete waste of time or money?" I don't not, know. Not any more than any other comic. Yeah, I mean, I, well, let's put it. No, I disagree because uh, I think it is okay. Fear, fear itself is normal. Yes, thank you. Yeah, no, but you know, I mean, like, I, I think this harkens back to Tom Brevoort's comment that. Um, like, why would you buy any DC comics between now and September? They won't count. And it's like, of course they count, if you like them. 
Yeah, I mean, see, that's it to me. I personally think that Flashpoint, the two issues that I've read, again, have been good, dumb, fun. And fun, for the most part. Fear itself, I have not found fun. And it has nothing to do with the the content or the subject matter. I just think that it is terribly done. It is terribly oh, yeah. no, done no, it, for it's, a big event. Has to be said, I was also reading some of the, the um, tie-ins. Because mm-hmm. after doing all the big Flashpoint tie-ins, I was like, I should do this for Fear itself. Yeah, Fear, like, don't get me wrong, the Flashpoint tie-ins are not great. And in many cases, they're not even good. Mm-hmm. But they're almost all better than the Fear itself tie-ins. Right. Well, and I can... Okay, so Flashpoint tie-ins are better than Fear Itself tie-ins, huh? Yeah. Just because ah, Fear Itself tie-ins don't even hang together with each other. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right. (laughs) Like, pretty much all of them have a a plot of, yeah, people are freaking out about shit uh, for some reason. And, yeah, shit happens. Right. Whereas, like, at least the Flashpoint tie-ins actually try and have a story in and of themselves. Yeah, and I think that's it. Like, if you don't necessarily dig the DC universe, or if you don't necessarily dig alternate universe stories, or if maybe you're not especially versed in the DCU to the point where you're not going to be able to tell who characters are without looking, or when Johns makes it a point of having the characters address each other by name so you know who, say, Clayface is... I can't necessarily say it's going to be your bag, but as what I used, what I think of as again a a dumb comic book that has a story that is going someplace, and I feel things in reaction to what's happening on the page, it's worth it for me. Yeah. Also, the other thing about Fear itself is at least the main title, you can actually see John's skill as a writer. Mm-hmm. I th- I think the way that he brought Aquaman and Wonder Woman on stage. Yes. Uh, basically waiting until the second issue and then giving them the opening scenes that they had, I thought right. was really effective. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I agree. In a way that, like, Fear Itself is just lacking. Yeah. yeah. My, my last thing about Fear Itself is, uh, did you see Matt Fraction give the CBR interview where he was talking about why issue four would be so exciting? Because Thor, Iron Man, and Steve Rogers are on the same right. page, uh, in the same place together for the first time in the series. And issue one has them in, in the same place together three different times. Okay, I have I have two points to that actually. One is one of the more the two two the two most depressing things I think I've read have been that that fear itself roundup with Brew Baker and Brevoort and Fraction talking about the third issue. That genuinely depressed me because I'm like, wow, these are dudes whose work who've done work that I really respect not really knowing what they're doing. Like, just having, just where they're at and what planet I'm on are not even in the same solar system. Not, you know? Um, Also, do you think that he means that if Bucky's dead, that this will be the first time we've seen Steve Rogers as As Captain Captain America? Yes. And and that's the sort of first time that he's talking about? Yes. Okay. So... It took me, like, because this was something that I believe that you had mentioned uh, earlier, and my tiny brain took a couple of days processing it. I think that's what he means. I also kind of have a, wow, that doesn't matter to me at all kind of. Yeah, it it really doesn't, because Mm -hmm. how many times have you seen those three guys together? And also, there's been nothing in this series that has suggested once those three guys get together, then there's going to be some wonderful comeback. In fact, Iron Man has been entirely absent from the series for the last two issues. Right. Right, that is true. And and for me, I also think that when you see Steve 
like I'm I guess I'm invested in the characters. If you saw Thor, Tony Stark, and Steve Rogers in a room talking, you're still seeing Cap and Iron Man and Thor. You know what I mean? Like to yeah. see them suited yeah. up like the next issue and it's like a big thing. I'm like, no, I I really am invested in the characters underneath the suits, apparently. Because the idea that Steve Rogers is suddenly going to be Cap and he's reunited with everyone, I'm like, that that doesn't do anything for me. Like, yeah. I, I, he was kind of always Cap, let's face it. Exactly! And I thought that that kind of worked well. His whole, like... In fact, there's one point where Fraction is clearly playing with the... Uh, in Fear Itself number three, where Steve Rogers like jumps out of the helicarrier in that classic Steranko style flying squirrel suit that yeah. Nick Fury used to have. Mm-hmm. And there's something about it like, okay, he's clearly trying to evoke it. And I think maybe the image might be inverted from the original. I don't remember. And I'm like, okay, this doesn't mean anything to me. Like, Steve Rogers is Steve Rogers, and despite how they try to play with the whole angle of oh, but is he the new Nick Fury? Is he a failure's Nick Fury? Like, I'm kind of like, you know what, he's I don't know. It just... Yeah, the other thing that's hilarious about that scene is it actually makes no sense. Yes! Because he's like, I've got to go down the ground. Do you have a plan, Steve? No! But, right. but I've got to get out there. I'm jumping out of a plane. I'm jumping out of a plane. And the very first panel is, this is the hugest thing we've ever faced. And you're trying to, you know, move ground forces against a large unknown enemy. Great. I'm hopping out of a plane. You know, it's like Steve Rogers, dick. You know? Not only that, but that, that ties in with a real problem in Fraction Driving, which I totally think he got from Morrison, which is just because you say something is huge doesn't make it huge. Agreed. The fear itself is not the hugest thing they've ever faced. If you think about everything else those characters have seen. Or even what we as the readers have seen. We've seen nearly nothing in three issues No, no, no. But I mean in terms of like what they've seen in their pasts. Oh, yeah, true. Think of I the mean... various threats they have seen as the Avengers or in various crossovers. Yeah, seriously. Right now, all they actually know has happened in fear itself is that meteors have come down. There are monsters destroying things and there's Nazis attacking America. Yeah. There have yeah, that's much small. grander scale threats. Totally, to Marvel Universe. Totally, totally, totally. I think I think the whole fear wave that is supposedly going on yeah, during the there, course of it, all this. That's in Spider Man, right? Spider Man says there's a fear wave. Yeah, I think it, it definitely it, it does. It appears in no other book. Yeah, yeah. There is not one other tie-in I've seen that have mentioned that's mentioned as fear wave. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. And and it's not mentioned in this main series, and it is Do you a think it was huge a, a, an idea that got dropped and no one told? The guy who did the Fear and Spider-Man? Spider-Man? Yeah. I don't think so, because honestly, I... Because it doesn't appear in any other series. Well, it, it kind of worked pretty well in the Fear Itself Spider-Man. Well, no, thing, it I makes so much more sense about Fear mm-hmm. Itself. Mm-hmm. It even explains the title, for example, as opposed to any other Fear Itself comic. Yeah, but it's not mentioned in any other Fear itself comic. I I agree, I agree, and it's just like it is baffling. It, if nothing else, it is, uh, yeah. It it's it just points to what a snafu is. So yeah, I just think Fear itself is an enormous mess, and I kind of can't imagine how they're going to do anything with it that's going to keep it from being a colossal failure other than spending a lot of time talking on the internet about what a great success it is. Uh, How do you define colossal failure? 
not doing anything uh, that it's supposed to do, I guess, apart from sell copies. But I, And here's the thing. Perhaps I'm naive, but I honestly can't see sales maintaining on this. I honestly sales, see sales dropping off on this. And honestly, if it didn't have... If it wasn't that you had Fear Itself in comparison with, if retailers didn't have, like, here's this and this, like, honestly, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for retailers where people go, uh, what do you think of Fear Itself? I'm not really digging it. And, so, and someone going, yeah, you know what? Try Flashpoint, you know? I, I And maybe I'm completely goofy. Maybe that's not the way things work. But I can kind of, not, not in any huge way, but I can see Flashpoint growing its sales very, very slowly over the course of the event. And I can see Fear Itself sales eroding very, very slowly over the course of the event. I would love to see for itself for sales rose, if only because I kind of don't want Marvel to be rewarded for such an incredibly yeah, lazy effort. dash sort of thing. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think it will. I think yeah. Flashpoint will con- will continue to be outsold by for itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, we only have ten minutes before you have to go. Uh, yes, exactly. So, so I'm, I'm going to skip ahead and ask you one last question very quickly. Perfect. From St- Stephanie Chan, who uh, writes for Sequential Target and also used to work with me in Iron Nine. Oh. Um, frozen waffles versus waffle iron waffles. And would a waffle reboot attract new eaters? <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Like, part of the thing that's amazing about waffle window waffles is they're not just waffle iron waffles that there what, what is. you're saying is it's ultimate waffle right it is it is waffle window windows are the ultimate waffles they might even be ultimate waffle ultimate comics ultimate waffles i think oh it's a shame we didn't get to talk about mark miller that would have been like good for a laugh or two too the, the allison thing the allison question yeah. mm-hmm. uh, i all i've said in that is mark miller said yesterday that he's not doing anything for dc and people still say he's doing something for dc <laughs> Well, and that was actually the first moment where I went, huh, you know, Levitz is gone. Maybe he would do something for DC. No, he's, he said it right. He's not doing anything for Sure. But but Mark Miller is a pathological liar. He could he, be doing something for DC. He is. But think of the way Mark Miller lies. Mark Miller oh, lies true. to promote the Mark Miller brand. If yeah. he could get some heat out of being like, maybe I am, he would say, maybe I am. That is true. That is totally true. Yeah. Um, no, I think he is jumping over to this Millerverse thing, which makes sense to me, considering what Kick-Ass 2 is selling compared to what Ultimate Comics Ultimates is selling. Yeah, exactly. I think he's doing the right thing for him. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, so... Blah, blah, blah. I wish we had a clever... You don't have any singing you can do to take us out? <laughs> I really don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, and it's funny because earlier on, yesterday, in fact, I was singing uh, to myself quite for quite a while uh, because for no reason whatsoever, uh, I started singing to Sir With Love. Uh, oh, my God. Really? To Kate, to Kate of all things. Aww. Um Just because there is the point where they go, uh, I was reading a paper and it was talking about like schools out. Like, you know, this, I was like, your teachers take you all the way through the thing. And it made me think of the, how do you thank someone who's taking you from crayons to perfume? Why? Wow, and that's so, a I, creepy lyric when you put it like that. Oh my God, I mean, Two Star Wars Love is a creepy, creepy song. Um, wow, holy crap. And I and so I sang that, and Kate was like, what the hell are you singing? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I ended up going through the song. But then it stuck in my head for the entire day. Yes. 
Yeah, I can imagine. I'm going to hunt it up on iTunes and unfortunately get it stuck in my head forever. Oh, so, okay. Make sure you get the Lulu version. It's the best one. The, the Lulu version? Yeah. Okay, will do. I'm writing that down on a piece of paper right now. So, uh, Edie is here with her shoes on, even though it's really <laughs> early, which is... You, you should probably jump then. I probably should. 